listening to the Lance J Radio Network. So I've been catching up on one of my favorite shows. I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank the last couple of weeks because you're in the dog days of summer. There's no NBA. Now you're in contract season, so you got Logo Logo Lillard re-upping for a couple more years, and he's gonna make 60 million a year on a two-year, 122 million dollar deal, which is is unbelievable. He might never get a ring, but he should get he should definitely get a ring for that. You have the the musical chairs in in the NBA and and people getting these monster deals, people moving from team to team, and then in baseball, baseball is pretty interesting. You got Shohei Otani, I went Anaheim. You got Mike Trout always. The Yankees are very good this year, but none of us have any faith in the Yankees at all. We know that when once we get to the playoffs, those bats go cold because as usual, the Yankees are are a bunch of guys that try to hit a home run pretty much every time. Have you ever seen Giancarlo Stanton play? He's not making any attempt to make contact unless he's going to hit the ball 500 feet. If you ask Giancarlo Stanton to, to move a runner over, he would he would look at you with, with utter disgust. So you're in the dog days of summer, waiting for NFL training camp, Watching NBA trades to, to see who's going to get traded, see what happens with Katie, and see what happens with Kyrie Irving and all of that stuff. And so I've been catching up on Shark Tank. And I'm a big fan of Shark Tank because the premise of Shark Tank is very interesting to me. You have on one side of the negotiation five people who are, are either billionaires or billionaire adjacent. I know that Mark Cuban's a billionaire. I think that Kevin O'Leary is really close to being a billionaire. Everybody else that's on Shark Tank is worth at least 500 M. So these people are filthy, rotten, bleeping rich. And then you have Joe Schlub, who either has a lobster roll truck or a new beef jerky that's made out of filet mignon or some new hummus or some new fashion accessory. Or every once in a while, you'll get someone from that's like a tech guy that's like, this is the next Tesla engine. Well, come out there. Somebody's like, I can turn, I can turn sunlight and water into nuclear power. Like we can go to Mars with this little generator that's the size of an, an iPad. And they parade in front of the sharks. I think every I think every segment is like twelve minutes. They parade in front of the sharks for twelve minutes. The sharks rip them to shreds on their sails or lack thereof. You have the term called pre-revenue, which is very funny to me. So basically, some of these some of these spazzes just take an Excel spreadsheet and they're like, oh well, I I did a hundred and ten thousand dollars last year in sales. So if you project that, the the market capitalization is is one billion. So if I can realistically get a 3% share of that, then then we're in there. We're going to make $30 million a year. 
And so you have the very funny math where, where people inflate the value of their company. Paragon 7 Studios was appraised. I'm going to talk about that at some point. But for the most part, if you want to, if you own a company, you might get some money for intellectual property. It's basically your revenue times two and a half. And that's what your company's worth. If you have some intellectual property or some relationships that are extremely valuable, you might tack on 3%. So, excuse me, you, you might multiply it by three instead of two and a half. But if you own a company that only did 68K in sales, your company's not worth $5 million. Stop it. So, you have these conversations with the billionaires, and I, I think it's amazing because a lot of these people, they're on Shark Tank because they're out of capital. They don't have cash. They, they have their money tied up in either purchase orders or inventory or things like that where that's sitting in some warehouse somewhere. So they go and they beg for money. Kevin O'Leary is a complete arse. If it's a bad product, one thing I do like about him, if it's a bad product, he'll say, look, it's a bad product. You're better off taking this dog like Old Yeller out back and shooting it. And then you have the good cop, bad cop with the people that actually come on Shark Tank. They have guests on. They had Alex Rodriguez on sometimes. They've had Charles Barkley on. They've had some very interesting and compelling people. But I always thought that it was, it was um, I was intrigued by the fact that these people, they worked on this product. A lot of them lost their jobs for this product. They they went away. They had corporate America jobs. Many of these people are smart. They went to Stanford, went to Harvard, went to good schools, had good jobs. And they left their job to do some type of teaching methodology to teach toddlers how to read. Or they had some special program that could help three-year-olds learn how to read. Or could help potty train Little kids, and they walked away from their job. They had a six-figure job, and they walked away from it. They cashed out their 401k, all of that stuff. And then after all of that, you're willing to sell for pennies on the dollar. And the reason I, I bring it up is because these startups in the whole round of seed funding and getting investments, whether you're getting it from Shark Tank, whether you're getting it from a bank, whether you're getting it from some other type of private equity or venture capital. We've had Marcus Whitney on the show to talk about venture capital, especially in healthcare. It's very nebulous when you have this money. Now, a lot of people don't know about Shark Tank. Most of those deals that you see don't really go through. It's a television show. So a lot of times, they don't have a written contract. A lot of times, the Sharks, when they do accept a deal, they get to the books, and the money's not what they thought it was, or at least the equity or or the the the, the, the platform itself isn't what they anticipated, so they don't do the deal. Or... The actual owner of the business backs out because they don't want to give up 50% of their equity, lowering the valuation. Sometimes these people have additional partners that are not discussed on television. So people come in as if they're an owner where they really only own 60%. And then their 60%, if they have to give up half of that, it becomes you only own 30% of the company. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But venture capital in general is just very interesting because I see so many, and I'm pivoting now into healthcare, my business, I see so many companies that are raising seed funding, that are out raising money, that are out doing venture capital, that, that there's always these investments. And these companies, some of them are big health plans. Some of them are small vendors. But some of these companies, they're raising 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 million bleeping dollars. 
And I find that to be interesting. So I'm always watching, just like on Shark Tank, I watch, when I'm watching the episode of Shark Tank, because most of them are, that are in syndication aired two or three years ago. You can tell because people are sitting close to each other. This is before the pandemic. And I want to know what Scrub Daddy did. You know, I want to know what some of these actual products did. Some of them are successful, but a lot of them, if you read the results, a lot of them are complete and utter flops. So I'm reading this from Becker'sHospitalReview.com. Cedar, a digital health startup that streamlines patient billing, has let go of 24% of its employees, a company spokesperson confirmed to Becker's. The firm made a decision in order to adapt to current market realities and reorganize ourselves for what we want to achieve following last year's acquisition of OODA Health. CEO and co-founder Florian Otto wrote in a July 7th LinkedIn post, this move will help ensure we forge ahead sustainably to our mission. Now, Cedar Health, which was founded in 2016, what they do is they work with patients and providers to offer a personalized digital billing experience. Uh, for example, they've contracted with, with Yale Hospital. They've contracted with uh, Novant Health, which is in Hartford, Connecticut. So they really come in and they want to make the billing process more digital. I mean, I've talked on this show about value-based care. I've talked on this show about telehealth. Everybody's moving to where you have a better experience, where members slash patients can have more insight and control over what they're being billed for, a better understanding, a better uh, relationship with their provider, so they can have an end-to-end panoramic view of their of their care. Now, Cedar raised two hundred million dollars a few years ago. I mean, they they were valued as of March of uh, 2021 at over $3 billion. So they raised a lot of money from venture capital and they had a $3 billion valuation. But you see, that didn't keep them from laying off 24% of their employees. And that has to make one ask, I'm not going after Cedar in particular, I don't know anyone there, I don't, I don't have an ax to grind with them. But I've seen this with other health organizations that have raised billions of dollars. And they had these valuations based on whatever accountancy, whatever, whatever um, PricewaterhouseCoopers or, or, or what's the, the other one, KPMG comes in and evaluates the company. But if you're laying off, if you're not profitable, you're laying off a lot of your workers, that actually kind of implies, is it a slush fund? Because we know that CEOs are going to get paid rather the company performs or not. So we know that the CEO is going to continue to get their bonus, right? They're going to continue to be in the yacht in helicopter club. And just like Shark Tank is for a show and it's a television show, you kind of starting to see with, with some of these health plans and some of these healthcare startups, everybody's a startup. I'm very careful of who I consult for. I consult for companies that I respect. I consult for companies that they have a product that I believe in, that I know I can sell, that I can speak to as someone who is a quality VP and ran health plans. I work with companies that I know bring value to members and to lives and to communities. But some of these companies, you just have billions of dollars, and I don't know how regulated it is. I mean, if somebody gets venture capital, it seems like there's just money circulating for these startups. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of accountability if the startups fail. Like I've I said before, I had a company that was a startup 
that I won't name the company, but I had a company that was a startup. They were they were talking to me about coming in to be in their C-suite. It was a major position. And this is before I opened up Paragon 7 Studios. This is right as I was leaving Blue Cross in Arizona. And I was talking to this company about going there and working for them. And I was flying, meeting with them and having these discussions. And basically the company... One of their C-suites told me that I was too stupid to work there. He said, well, James, you're the best candidate for the job. I got to the last round of interviews, but everybody else here went to Harvard and Yale. You didn't. We don't think that you're going to fit in here. We don't think that you have an executive presence. We don't think that you're smart enough. We don't think that you that you have the, the vernacular, the, the linguistic skills. Whatever he was trying to say, he was, in spite of the fact that I've been nothing but a revenue-generating machine, in my field, he told me I was too stupid to work there. That company has lost close to $2 billion since. Where's the accountability? Paragon 7 Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Did you know that 12,000 people are turning 65 years old every day? Many seniors will no longer be able to age in place and will need to look for individualized solutions. Upside Home is a personalized service for older adults that provides a gateway to independence and social experiences. Members choose how and where they want to live. Then their home manager connects them with services, anemones, and community events that promote overall wellness. Learn how Upside Home helps older adults age in the right place by calling 954-504-6122 or visiting UpsideHome, that's H-O-M, dot com. <laughs> 